What's going on, FA Nation? Happy Tuesday, and welcome to the Two Minute Drill uh, Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast. I am James Grande. No, I am not joined by Dan Mellon. He is currently on his deathbed right now. Uh, hope Dan gets well uh, soon and is back for us next week. But filling in is the irreplaceable Matt Sells. Matt, what's going on, brother? Oh, you know, just prepping for Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, got the turkey thaw in here. Got only two days out, so we got to make sure that sucker's not frozen anymore. Uh, can't cook a frozen bird. That's that's no good. So uh, it looked like some offenses, though, in the NFL tried to cook some frozen birds this week with how they laid eggs all over the place. There was some frozen birds, uh, primarily in Seattle. Um, they, yes. They've been frozen for a couple weeks. Uh, but, Matt, I must ask before we get into this, what is your favorite meal what is your favorite food at your thanksgiving oh that's tough see i change it up a little bit every year um we have the you know we always go with the turkey this year i'm actually rotisserie cooking it on my uh new charcoal grill so that should be fun um matzo ball soup is a pretty traditional one that we have every year as the opener i tend to like that um but yeah i don't I mean, how could you go wrong with stuffing and green bean casserole? That's yeah. yeah. I think those are the two. I think those are the two that just those are the that's the glue, right? Like that's the glue. Like everyone knows there's gonna be turkey and there. Everyone else has their everyone has their different things, but like the green bean casserole, the stuffing, that's the glue that brings Thanksgiving together. It doesn't even matter if the stuffing is straight out of a box and sits on shelves for eleven months of the year. For that one month, Matt, <laughs> it's magical. <laughs> it's, it's magical. Um, let's get into things here. Uh, doing a little review, obviously, this is the overlook of the Week 11 slate. Um, we're going to start with our normal studs and duds category. Matt, I'll kick it to you. Who is your stud of the week? So my stud, how could we go with anybody other than Jonathan Taylor? Uh, guy ran ballistic against the Bills. And not to toot my own horn. Okay, I will toot my own horn. <laughs> I kind of called it in the game previews for uh, Week 11 that came out last Wednesday. Um, I said the top play for the Colts was Jonathan Taylor. I said even though they were facing the number one ranked DVOA rush defense, the, the Bills had already given up a handful of 100-yard rushing games, and they had given up 140-something yards and three touchdowns to Derrick Henry, which obviously Jonathan Taylor not quite the size of the man beast that is Derrick Henry. <laughs> but he's still a very good downhill runner. He you know, explodes through the through the holes in the line that the Colts give him, and he gets the volume. So it wasn't necessarily a shock to see him have a big day. Now, he went above what I thought he was going to do, five touchdowns and 180-something yards rushing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's impressive. But, yeah, it, it's got to be it's got to be Jonathan Taylor for that showing. Matt, question. Just yes, yes or no. Is Jonathan Taylor the first overall pick in 2022 fantasy drafts? I would say yes. Okay, that's all I need to hear. I don't want to know. We'll, we'll keep that receipt for uh, this recording. will be forever in uh, on Fantasy Alarm, so you'll be able to roast Matt if it's if it's a no uh, in 2022. Uh, but I also agree. I think it's him or CMC uh, still. At CMC point. gets injured all the time. He does, yeah. uh, oh. but CMC also has, in five weeks, has four top five finishes so like if he stays healthy it's like eh, you know it's pretty hard not to go there but i look i'm not you know i agree 
Um, my stud is going to be someone um, you, you took Taylor. So the only other logical option is Austin Eckler, who continues to impress. Um, no, he didn't score five touchdowns, but four is not a bad consolation for one Austin Eckler. And Matt, the knock on Austin Eckler this offseason was what? Why are we taking him in the first round? He can't score touchdowns. He can't score touchdowns. Well, hey, buddy, he has 13 touchdowns this year, um, seven on the ground, six through the air. Uh, Austin Eckler already had 123 carries, Matt. His career high, 132. Um, Austin Eckler at 45 receptions, uh, 405 yards, six, the six touchdowns, two off his career high uh, in terms of receiving, which he had in 2019. I mean, this is this is what he was capable of if he was able to what? Stay healthy. And he's staying healthy. He's been dominant. He's electric. Um, very hard to see a guy who's 5'10 behind all those big offensive linemen. And then suddenly he's just open and downfield. And it's just he's creating space for himself. And he's just really incredible. So um, because you snipe Taylor, I will go Austin Eckler, um, who, you know, right now, respectively, Jonathan Taylor, RB1. Austin Eckler, RB2 on the year. So um, I think we've selected two pretty uh, pretty good choices there, Matt. Uh, let's shift our focus to the duds section. Uh, who are you going to go with for your fantasy dud this week? Oh, can I go with the entire Falcons offense? You can because I'm going with an entire offense as well. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, I know you're undermanned there against the Patriots, and the Patriots' defense was pretty good. But to get shut out in your own building, and you had chances. You just didn't do anything with them. So right now the Falcons' offense is just, oh, it's so painful to watch. You can't play any of them in fantasy. Uh, so, yeah, the whole the whole Falcons' offense and, um, you know, including Kyle Pitts, he didn't really exactly do all that much there for the Falcons on Thursday. So, yeah. We're going the Falcons' offense. So I was going to go an offense, and I just quickly pivoted. I, I was going to go the entire Seahawks' offense, but I'm just going to I'm going to direct it at Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson, since coming back, maybe he shouldn't have come back. I know all the doctors said he should have, and you know all those 18 hours of hard work that Russell Wilson was putting in. Uh, just wow, what a what a warrior working out 18 hours a day and running dry runs on the field with no receivers. Like what a warrior. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have returned. Um, considering Russell, the way he's looked, um, he's yet to throw more than 207 yards in two games. He's thrown two picks. He has taken seven sacks in two weeks. Um, it's really hard to get on the Russell Wilson bandwagon right now and think that he is going to be very viable. I mean, they're three and seven. Uh, he's coming off an injury. They really have no shot in the division. Their next couple of games at Washington, who, you know, seemingly has turned a corner, um, versus the Niners, who have also turned a corner. They've won a couple games in a row. Um, the Texans, that's a fine matchup. But then the Rams in L.A. versus the Bears, who, you know, for what it's worth, have a fairly good defense. Um, I don't love Russell Wilson and what he's doing right now. I don't love the schedule coming up. So, I'm very down on Russell Wilson right now for a guy that had a lot of preseason love coming in. Agreed. And can I just say, as a Jets fan, I'm perfectly fine with the Seahawks not winning another game this year. Okay. 
because the Jets have the Seahawks, uh, the Seahawks first round pick. First round pick, yep. Because of Jamal Adams. And everybody was like, oh, but you're only going to get a pick in like the late 20s. And here they are sitting in like the top six. Yep. So the Jets are right now going to wind up with two top six draft picks at this point, And I'm perfectly okay with that. Also, the fact that the Jets have a shot at out-recording the Seahawks after giving them Jamal Adams is hilarious. Is po- poetic, poetic justice. Poetic yeah, justice. poetic justice. So I'd be perfectly fine with the Seahawks not winning another game. <laughs> Let, let's shift our focus into some some things that happened in week 11 and, and how we should be assessing uh, some players moving forward. Because, you know, we shifted this podcast focus last week where, you know, we were looking at whole scale things. Now we're going to focus in on certain situations. Um, I think one big situation to monitor, Michael Carter has an ankle injury that will keep him out for multiple weeks. Now, Michael Carter was dominating the snap share, and I mean dominating the snap share. Um, We saw Ty Johnson basically isolated out of the offense, and we saw Tevin Coleman receive five carries. Um, When we talk about snap counts, Matt, um, for last week, Michael Carter played 20 before the injury. Ty Johnson played 20. Tevin Coleman played 20. So, you know, a nightmare. Now, my question to you is, are any of these guys viable? Any, between Johnson and Coleman, like, could you make a case for either of them uh, for your fantasy lineups? Because, look, running back is depleted, as we know. Um, Any love for either of them in fantasy football for Week 12? So, the issue with Ty Johnson is that he doesn't run the ball. He only catches the ball, right? There's like basically a handful of carries all year for Ty Johnson. Um, So in that regard, I might lean Tevin Coleman, who was for the first few weeks of the season holding off Michael Carter. Um, So might lean that way. But the problem is who the heck knows who's starting a quarterback every (laughs) week going forward (laughs) at this point? Was it, I mean, Blacko didn't really do anything against the Dolphins. Um, So can we go with Flacco again? Is it the Zach Wilson experience coming back? Because right. he's supposedly healthy now, I guess. But being sat to watch stuff. Um, does Mike White get redemption? Because he threw four picks against Buffalo, the toughest pass defense in the league. I don't know. Um, I don't really trust any of them. <laughs> but if I had to go with one out of a pure running back standpoint, it would be Tevin Coleman. So I think... I think you bring up a good point. I think you bring up a great point because I think it depends on who's playing quarterback. If Mike White were to come back, I don't think there is a question that it's Ty Johnson because Mike White is the check down king. He threw it to Ty Johnson and Michael Carter 15 plus times a game. Um, So I think if, if they did go to Mike White, that would be the route I think we should look at. But I agree. If it's Flacco, he throws the ball downfield. If it's Zach Wilson, he likes to show off his big arm as well, and he throws it downfield. So I think it's going to be very dependent. I mean, Tevin Coleman is is a is a good pass catcher in his own right. Um, he just again he just hasn't stayed healthy over the last few years, and um, it's really it's played him into a kicking return kick return role. So I do think um, it's interesting. I also think it's interesting if they like activate Lamichael Pirine. Uh, for this game, because that could also muddy the waters. If that were to happen, it's a stay away from me. Like, if that happens, yeah. if, Michael, if Pirine's, like, active and they're like, hey, man, 
uh, good luck out there. You and Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson are all going to share time. It's like, okay, then we stay away. But if Pirine's not and and or not expected to get to work, I think Tevin Coleman, like you said, with Flacco and Wilson is viable. Um, and then I think if it's if it's uh, Mike White, I do think Ty Johnson is quite interested. Let's shift. By the okay. way, they, yeah. while they do play the Texans this coming week, they play the Eagles, who have a pretty decent run game, run defense, the following week. Then they play the Saints, who nobody runs on. Then the last two games of the year are the Bucks and the Bills. So it's not like you've got a lot of Yikes. favorable uh, running matchups because you got the Jags and the Dolphins snuck in between the Saints and the Bucks. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of good, <laughs> good running matchups coming up there for for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, this is seemingly it's like a one to two week um trial anyway we just need able bodies at this point like you we were talking beforehand you were looking down your fantasy roster like oh there's another guy that hit the dust like that's a lot of people you know a lot of people are losing regular starters on a week-to-week basis and right now any at any point where we need someone to plug plug and play we'll take that person so i think it's worth mentioning just um because we could get a rental for one to two weeks um let's shift our focus over to the raiders because outside of darren waller and outside of Hunter Renfro, an offense that would look really good. You could start Derek Carr weekly um, to begin the year. You could start Josh Jacobs with confidence earlier in the year when he was healthy. Even Kenyon Drake had like a three-week three, three week stretch um, of being really good and being effective where they wanted to use him in the passing game. And that was post-Gruden. They really started to use Kenyon Drake. Um, can we, like, I don't. I wouldn't say cut ties. You could probably cut ties with Kenyon Drake. But can we trust Derek Carr? Can we trust um, anyone in this offense outside of Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro? Like, it's it's very hard right now for me to trust even Josh Jacobs, who I thought was coming on a little bit considering he was being used in the passing game, but uh, not so much anymore. Yeah, so what I'm going to point out about Henry Ruggs is this. While he didn't get a lot of targets – he did help this offense because he spread the field, right? He went deep every single time. He used his speed to spread out the defense and make holes for everybody. It's with Nelson Aguilar. It was the Nelson. He filled in that Nelson Aguilar role from a year ago. Right. And now Nelson Aguilar is in new England and nobody's ever heard from him again. Um, And, you know, Hunter Renfro is a possession type receiver. He doesn't make, a lot of deep plays. He's going to run the short route in the pattern. Darren Waller, tight end, athletic dude. Yeah, he's a beast and catches a ton of passes. But again, he's a tight end. He's not like running fly routes, right? So if you have everything compressed down towards the line of scrimmage, now you don't have the running lanes that you could have had if you have a guy who's a burner on the well, outside. Matt, they have Deshaun Jackson. They have Deshaun. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson's like 455 years old. At this point, I mean, they have Zay Jones, too, but Zay Jones doesn't see the field enough to make a difference. So I would say at this point, that's the problem with the Raiders is that they is that their offense is compressed towards the line of scrimmage. So if you don't have Renfro and you don't have Waller, it's pretty hard to make a case to play anybody else. So are you starting? Here's here's a list of guys. Are you starting Derek Carr against the Cowboys next week? No. Are you starting Derek Carr against the Washington football team? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. And I like 
as bad as they've been, they've turned a corner and they, they they have turned a corner. Are you starting them against the Chiefs, who have looked better defensively? I don't think you're starting them against the Chiefs either. Not because I mean the Chiefs just shut them down to the tune of forty one fourteen. So so if you're not starting Derek Carr in any of those three games in matchups that we had deemed favorable earlier in the year, are you willing to cut ties with Derek Carr as we approach fantasy football playoff season? Probably. You could always get depth at wide receiver and running back at this point. Agreed. Agreed. Um, let's flip it. Actually, we're going to stay at the quarterback position um, as my vacuum uh, turns on and deposits. Uh, sh- shout out to the, the shark called the – we call it the baby shark here at the Grande household. Um, let's stay at the quarterback position and look at a, a positive here, and that's Taylor Heineke, who looked it very good um, against Carolina and has – Looked really good lately. I didn't think he was the answer um, earlier in the year. He's now had three top 12 finishes at quarterback in his last four games. So, like, when you look at Taylor Heineke, Matt, could you – and we just said we couldn't make a case for Derek Carr really starting moving forward. Can you make a case for Taylor Heineke to be your QB1 moving forward, especially for someone who maybe was streaming quarterbacks or lost a quarterback – um, has been dealing with, you know, turmoil at the position. Uh, Taylor Heineke has the Seahawks, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Eagles, his next four games. Could you make a case for Taylor Heineke being your QB1? I would say so if you're in a pinch. I mean, obviously it's not the ideal situation. But look, he had 200 yards and three touchdowns and not a pick and almost he can, 30 yards. And he runs, yep. And I think that's the kicker right there, right? And so here's the thing that I think has helped – Heineke, for whatever reason, Gibson has looked better the last couple of weeks, right? Sure. He's been the guy we've been talking about all year. He's been dealing with the stress fractures in his in apparently both shins, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and it was always a pain management thing. So whatever drug they switched Gibson to has apparently been working the last couple of weeks because um, he had another good day. Um, you know, 19, 19 carries for 95 yards. Sorry, my cat got on my desk. Um <laughs> 19 carries for 95 yards. He didn't put it in the end zone, but that's an efficient, effective uh, run day. And then they also got seven for 46 from J.D. McKissick. So if they have the run game, which is what Ron Rivera wants in his offense, it opens things up for Heineke to be effective and to hit Terry McLaurin. And let's keep in mind that Curtis Samuel hasn't even been on the field all that much. So if he can get out there, that's another weapon for... Uh, Heineke to hit. So, yeah, I would be fine with that. I mean, he's got favorable matchups for the next three, four weeks. Yeah, and I think it's a good point. Like, you, Curtis Samuel was close to playing in that Carolina game. Um, he was questionable all day. So, like, interesting development here because Heineke's been um, very good. I mean, again, three top 12 finishes over his last four games. And the fourth one... Uh, he finished QB 19. So he was still, you know, it wasn't great, but 7-12-7, the three top 12 finishes. Yeah. Um, now, his counterpart, would you play his counterpart going forward? Cam? Yeah. Superman? I thought he looked pretty good. Um, the, the problem is Washington just largely held the ball the whole game. I mean, Carolina did not have a lot of possessions in that game, and it's kind of like the same thing that happened in the Tampa game where – Tom Brady just never got the ball back. Well, Cam just, like, didn't get the ball back. Like, he – they were out 
possession by 11 minutes. It's almost a full quarter. Like, um, I thought Cam looked really good. The, th- the throw to McCaffrey was sick uh, on that touchdown pass. That was, like, the best throw he's made in years. He didn't make a single one of those throws in New England. He just – and then the juke move on that, ru- on that Russian touchdown was just – like, a, a man his size and, like, you know, latter the latter stage of his career shouldn't be doing that. But here we are. Cam Newton is just a – uh, just a tremendous athlete, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, look, if he's going to throw touchdowns, there is no doubt he's viable because last year he had 14 rushing touchdowns or 12. Yeah. It was either 12, 14. So if he can contribute in the passing game as well, there's no reason not to think he can't, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to give us 30 fantasy points a week, but there's no reason that we couldn't get a floor of 20 if he's throwing and rushing the way he is. Um, now, obviously, does that cap Christian McCaffrey a little bit if if Cam is running in touchdowns? That was always kind of my fear. Um, but also, I, I mean, they had the same number of carries. Same week. number of carries. Um, also, I, but I was looking at something um, prior to the week, and McCaffrey had two 100 yard target, 100 target seasons with Cam under center. So, like, where he could lack in touchdowns, he'll make up for in, in receptions. And right. Targets. I mean, he did lead the team, he had seven catches. Uh, on Sunday, which was the most on the team. Interestingly, Robbie Anderson had five, so yep. they've yep. revived Robbie Anderson from the grave. Yeah, they um, have revived, even though he's not. And the problem was, like, last he's not year. producing he was, yards, though. Yeah, he's not producing yards. And and it's so weird to see that because, like, as a Jet, he was constantly running downfield and, and he was used as more of a burner, and he just hasn't been in this offense. Um, so I do, I do think Cam is very viable on a week to week basis. Um, moving forward, uh, let's look at Carolina's schedule. Um, they have the Dolphins next week, so you can definitely start Cam. Um, they have the Falcons the week after, another very startable matchup. But then, then here's where it gets dicey, Matt. So I think Cam might be a two-week rental for you. Uh, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Those are the last four games to end the year. Um, I think Cam is... Uh, viable in Miami and viable in Atlanta, and I think that's where the uh, the glory run ends. Yeah, those matchups against Tampa, and you said what Buffalo was in it's, there too. It's but this is your fantasy playoff matchup for Cam Newton: Buffalo, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. You're not playing Cam in any of those games. You're not. You're not. I don't care what John Taylor just did. Cam Newton is not John Taylor against Buffalo. Like. You can play him. You can stream him against Miami. You can stream him against Atlanta. You know, and then as game as they say, and when you leave, my my watch here ends. That when it gets to Buffalo. So uh, enjoy your Cam Newton shares for the next two weeks. But after that, uh, you better have a plan B. Um, I think one more one more uh, question for us here is there a receiver that we've probably been starting each and every week. Um, we're gonna fly out to to the to the state of Texas. Uh, and we're going to go to Houston and we're going to go to Brandon Cooks because what what the heck has happened since Tyrod Taylor has come back? Not that they, you know, they won this week. Good for them. They beat the Titans, who now lost to the Jets and the Texans in one year. Uh, and yet they're eight and three. Who I don't know how that's happened. But um, Brandon Cooks this week and, you know, Tyrod only threw 24 times, but he was the fourth most targeted receiver, uh, two for 18 on three targets. Uh, last week, Brandon Cooks had he did have 14 targets, but six for 56. Uh, is Brandon Cooks 
someone that we are benching moving forward? That's a really tough question. So tough because he did have 14 targets in week 10. Uh, just for context, right. Matt, Jets, matchup, matchups upcoming. Jets, Colts, Seahawks, Jaguars. Not exactly a murderer's row of no, defenses. No, no, it's not. But are right. we benching Brandon Cook? Neither was the Dolphins, and neither were the Titans either. Yeah. Although the Titans have been kind of turning it around a little bit. Sure. Um, it's so weird what's going on with Tyrock, because now he's turned into a running quarterback like near the goal line, right? Like He had two rushing touchdowns on Sunday. Six carries, 28 yards, two rushing touchdowns on the ground. Um, he completed only 14 passes, so it wasn't right. the best passing day for him. Um, but to see Cooks have less targets than David Johnson and less targets than Farrell Brown and the same amount of targets as Brevin Jordan, like... It's not exactly a murderer's row of offensive guys that finished ahead of him, right? Um, so I'm still sticking it in there with, with Brandon Cooks. He's clearly their best offensive threat outside. I think it was just a weird game against the Titans, which a lot of these games against the Titans are weird games. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think Cooks is... I mean, he's clearly still capable of getting targets. He got, what, 14, you said, in Week 10? So Yeah, 14 yeah, last week, yep. I'm hanging in there with uh, Cooks. Yeah, more of a, if you're going to play him, it's a wide receiver three, or it's a uh, flex play. But I don't think you can confidently start him as a wide receiver two right now. It's uh, a little discouraging to see what he has done. Um, Matt, let's finish it up here with a little game that we call Do You Believe? Um, I'm just going to ask you a question about a player or two or three or a hundred uh, if you believe what they're doing and how they're going to finish. Ready? Yep. All right. So we're going to start with the current RB16, Dalvin Cook. Do you believe, Matt Sells, that Dalvin Cook will finish as an RB1 by year's end? Meaning he has to get inside the top, top 12. 12. Yes, sir. So he is yeah. currently – actually, I take that back. He is currently RB17. Uh, shout out Miles Gaskin. He is RB16. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think that Dalvin Cook will finish inside the top 12. So let's let's look at it. He's had the volume. He's had the yardage. Where has he fallen short? The tutties. Touchdowns. He's been stuffed inside the two more than anybody else this year. <laughs> That's crazy. He's had, in one game, I think he had three or four straight carries inside the two and didn't score. Like, that's just bad luck, man. That's just, in in baseball, we would start looking at BABIP and Woba instead of batting average. Like, is this guy just getting screwed on situations? And for Cook, yeah, that's what he's doing, right? If he had converted, I don't know, half of those to touchdowns, he'd be inside the top ten right now. So yep. I have to believe that the volume is there. They want to run the ball. And, yes, as good as Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson looked against the Packers, although I will say that Jefferson had a hell of a first quarter and then didn't do a whole lot else after that. Um, well, at I the end of the game, well, the end of the game, he made a, you know, 
pretty big. Pretty big. He had 104 yards at the end of the first quarter. He finished with 169. So he had a decent day the rest of the three quarters. He had a heck of a first quarter. Dalvin Cook, I think, there's no question if he stays healthy, the volume is there, the yardage is there. He just has to convert inside the goal line and just get tougher in those short yardage uh, situations. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's been someone who uh, has scored a lot of touchdowns throughout his career. Uh, Last year, 16 on the ground. The year before, 13 on the ground. So, um, you know, the four this year, a little bit of anomaly. Uh, They should be a little positive regression at the end of the year. Um, Final question to you, Matt. We have two receivers on the same team that were drafted, you know, pretty high. Uh, one was drafted as a wide receiver one. One was drafted, I would say, wide receiver two, uh, close to wide receiver one. Uh, those two names would be DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Currently, uh, DK Metcalf, wide receiver 19, and Tyler Lockett is wide receiver 22. Their two finishes, with Russell Wilson being back, Metcalf was wide receiver 52 and wide receiver 56 while Lockett was 67 and 23. My question, Matt, and this is going to hit home to a lot of people. And it's going including to hit, me. Including you. <laughs> Will DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, or I, let me rephrase this. Will both one or none of the two guys I mentioned finish as a wide receiver two? I'm not even going to shoot for wide receiver one. Will they at least give us they're, – they're already – so they need to finish in the top 24 of the wide receiver position. Will one, both, or none of them finish a top 24 receiver by year's end? Current nine – Metcalf is 19, Lockett is 22. So will they basically hold ground? Basically, they have to um, hold firm where they are right now, yes. I think only one of them's gonna do it. I can't tell you which one though, unfortunately. I know because it's a week. It's a, just. I really wish it was Tyler Lockett, only because I have him on my money team. Right. <laughs> and I don't have shares of DK Metcalf this year. Um. So I'm hoping it's Lockett, only because I have him. But can I tell you which one? No, because you just heard like. At least Lockett has put up a wide receiver twenty three week with Russell Wilson. But we right. went over the Russell Wilson stats earlier. Which I know. Was, he hasn't he's only he's barely top two hundred yards since coming back. He still doesn't look right. They lost Chris Carson for the year and Alex Collins, I think the fairy dust is running out on him. Mm-hmm. Um that offensive line isn't holding, which has been a problem for like seven years now and they haven't fixed it. Um and outside of those two, there's not really any other weapons on that offense. There's no solid tight I mean, you know, Tight end is okay. The third wide receiver is okay. So it's hard to see how they how they consistently get open in a scheme where they're clearly the targets of the offense. Um, I would say one of them does, but I don't know which one. I think uh, I actually probably would lean Metcalf. Um, he has four top 12 finishes this year, um, and Lockett He's has... Also Target in the red yeah, zone yeah. touchdown. So it's fair. They both have Lockett has three top twelve finishes. Metcalf has four. Um, Metcalf just has better 
uh, more consistency. Like Lockett's finished outside of the top 61, 2, 3, 4, 5 times this year. Um, he's just, we just know his booms are like mega games. Like he just goes nuclear for twice a year. And yeah, I saw, I saw a tweet like a week ago that said it's infuriating how consistently inconsistent Tyler Lockett is. So, and so that's such a perfect, and way that's to such it. a great way to put it. Yeah, that is such a great way to put it. But I agree largely. I think it's going to be one. I would probably lean Lockett. I mean, uh, Metcalf, it sounds like you might lean Lockett. Just cause he Only could because have I have people. him on my roster. Right. Okay. So a little little bias towards. There's a little uh, bias because there's money involved, right? right. So like... um, all right. Well, that wraps it up. Uh, big shout out to Matt Sells for filling in this week. Um, hopefully, again, Dan Mellon's healthy and, uh, you know, avoids all the, the craziness uh Outside of Atlanta Braves Stadium, I'm sure I'm sure they're still partying like on a daily basis. Uh, like it's 1999. Like it's 1999. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys for uh, week 12, and uh, see you guys later.